All right, hello, and welcome back to a, another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, boys and girls, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. On today's edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast, I'll be joined by stats by Will. It's Mr. Will Warren. You might have heard him on the on the uh, Tennessee LSU broadcast from over the weekend. Uh, go check out statsbywill.com if you have not already done so. Check out all of his great college basketball work there along with his Tennessee volunteer basketball coverage um, we touch on a multitude of things including Tennessee basketball their big matchup with Texas this weekend how they beat Florida at the middle of part of this week um, Tom Crean's future at Georgia biggest upsets this past week Maryland over uh, Illinois being a big one um, you got Michigan State who looks like a team that could just mess around and get in the elite eight uh, their win against Wisconsin a few weeks back and just what we think about the Spartans at the moment uh, if Fred Hoiberg can fix what's going on in Nebraska. A really rough year uh, for Hoiberg and the Huskers. Uh, we talk about Andy Kennedy being maybe the most underrated coach in college basketball, doing great stuff at UAB as their top 40 team per Kimpom this year. And then Chris Mack, the, the big news out of Louisville where he is he's out. Who could replace Mack? Could it be Bruce Pearl? Could it be Nate Oates? And uh, stats that uh, caught Mr. Will Warren's uh, eye in the past week. So all that and more on this edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. However, before we get into today's episode of the program, I would just like to uh, remind you guys about a couple of things that uh, you can do to support this very program. It starts with leaving a quick five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if that is your preferred app of choice for listening to this very podcast. Go visit ChaseThomasPodcast.com today for access to all of my previous episodes and make sure to go subscribe to the Sports Renaissance Man newsletter at SportsRenaissanceMan.substack.com. As always, you can email the program at ChaseThomasPodcast at gmail.com. And guess what? We're on YouTube. Yeah, there's a video component. So go look up Chase Thomas Podcast on YouTube. Videos, every episode will be added uh, along with some mini clips, all that good stuff. So Chase Thomas Podcast on YouTube. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel today. Follow me on Twitter at Chase double underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. All right, Uncle Darren, let's ride. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where, yes, you guessed it, I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am joined by my good friend, fellow Knoxvillian and University of Tennessee alumni, and Mr. Dyke's favorite, favorite <laughs> college basketball analyst, as heard on the LSU-Tennessee broadcast on Saturday. It's Mr. Stats by Will, Will Warren. Will, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. I feel honored to be talking to you via video. Mm -hmm. uh it's like we're at remedy all over again oh my little logo there you go or especially for this so yeah doing pretty well nice little week so far got some good cold runs in this week my favorite same so that's what people don't understand is that i think people are more terrified or more uh, careful about running outside in the winter but it's actually better and it's way, way less risky than running in 102 degree summer heat in knoxville yeah. or atlanta or wherever like it's actually better uh, for you to run when it's a little bit chillier, right? I mean, you're the running yes. expert. You're the marathoner. You're the, <laughs> like, I'm going to run through my blisters. You told me your story about, like, you just having basically just scabs for feet after your last marathon, and you just, you went through it. 
Yeah, I mean, you got to grit it out. But no, you're <laughs> absolutely on to something. Uh, uh, there have been studies done where the theoretical perfect running temperature for a marathon is 53 degrees, which like hmm. an average person, they're going to hear 53 degrees and think, oh, that's like, a, you know, uh, depending on where you're from, you're going to think maybe that's a little chilly. But no, 53 is the ideal uh, I think no half marathon temperature. Ideal marathon is like forty-eight to fifty, supposedly. Do they change based on that? Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, the hmm. the longer you run, the colder you want it to be. Like that a five k, I remember reading was I think sixty-two. So hmm. interesting. Well, there you go. Uh, but yeah, running is. You, you didn't know you're coming to this podcast for running stats, but here you are. <laughs> I mean, folks, as we get. Uh deeper and deeper into this podcast relationship will and i are going to give you all kinds of great knoxville running tips where to go what to do all that good stuff i miss running in my old neighborhood where i run mm -hmm. now uh is way more uh it's not treacherous treacherous is that, that's not the word it's more uh it's not even hilly it's not that's not the word either it's like uh it's not dangerous i'm gonna figure out the adjective in a second but it's it's just you have to be on your toes like i have to be careful okay. where it's like it'll be fine for like a two like 0.2 miles and then i'll just stumble onto like a hole just somewhere on the, like just i have to always be on my on the lookout for something crazy because it'll be fine for a little bit and then nothing but back in west hills where you and i we agree it's just it's prime running real estate like i was able to run through everything i had some hill stuff i could do if i wanted to there are cars not really coming where i needed to go and run it was just a really fun just look and scenario. So maybe I'll go back on weekends or something and just uh, weirdly park my car in front of someone's house and be like, no, I used to live here. It's fine. <laughs> no, you should. That's where I ran today. Just park oh. at the park at the Y. Okay. North Knoxville running yes. recommendation for you. Mm -hmm. uh, Stur I don't know if it's Sturchy or Sturkey. I never learned. But whatever mm -hmm. it is, Sturchy Hills Park, uh, which is off of exit okay. 108 on mm -hmm. 75. Mm -hmm. uh, like four miles total of running trails takes you through like some woods to a soccer field and back. It's really nice. Very pleasant run. I just, are you like, can you do the treadmill at all? Like I hate the treadmill no. more than anything. I can't, no. I don't know how people do that. Uh, I've, I've tried in the past and it just gets very boring very quickly. The max right. I think I've ever done in a treadmill is three miles. And it, it just, I, I mean, yeah. you can, it's nice to have the capability to watch like a sporting event or a netflix show or something while you're running i guess but it's not for me i don't know how people do that either like i i think the sports renaissance woman does that but i have no i don't i, I don't have the I, I i just i'm too add to be able mm -hmm. to do that like i i can't do that at all i have to be listening i can't even really listen to a podcast like this the here's a little behind the curtain stuff for you folks the only time that i'm listening to sports radio is when i'm running because mm -hmm. It's something that my brain just, it's like entertainment, but also I don't have to pay that close attention to what they're saying. Podcasts, I can't help but like really want to listen to what the guest's saying. So like I cannot listen to stuff you should know on Arctic Foxes and run two miles. Hmm. Can't do it. I will get so frustrated because I'm like, wait, what did they say? I want to go back and memorize it. But I don't know. Do you put anything in your ears or do you? What yes, do you do? every time. So this when I when I do the tempo runs, I have mm -hmm. playlists that are tailored by beats per minute. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a site called Sort Your Music that links with your Spotify account. I didn't realize we'd get off on this tangent. I could talk about this for 30 minutes. Oh, this is fun, man. Uh, but no, if you I forget it's called I can't remember what style. Oh, uh, cadence running. That's what it is. You can run to a certain cadence and it correlates with an average uh, 
pace per mile. For hmm. instance, I think 165 BPM is an 830 mile. So like I'll, I'll do that. And on days where I'm trying to go slower, because you're supposed to do slow runs as well, I'll do like a podcast or an audio book or something while I'm running. Mm. So Okay. There you go. There you go. So the Chase Thomas podcast, it's for runners too. Yes. Um... <laughs> I, I ran to, uh, I was four miles was over the weekend. I ran to the one you did uh, with Brian, the Predators guy. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were saying that you ran with him and I was like, okay. Uh, live only. Dude, yeah. I don't think, uh, I don't think I would need audio for that. We would well, just talk about actually... stats. <laughs> there you go. And friend of the pod, Mr. Brian and uh, listener of the pod. So shout out to him. But uh, I think he went to UT too, right? I want to mm-hmm. say he's yeah. a UT fan. There you go. Um, well, Mr. Will Warren, we're not going to start with UT basketball. We're not going to start there. Although I will shout out the piece that you wrote about embracing, uh, Tennessee, just being in the mud and being a team that brings other people down in to the mud with them because perspective is important, man. And I think a lot of fans overlook that as just being like, Hey, it could be worse. We're really good at this one thing. Why not just fully embrace that? I don't really know if it's going to work long-term, but the entire point of sports for us is to enjoy it. And if Mm -hmm. you're basing your level of enjoyment for Tennessee basketball on them figuring it out and being a top (laughs) 10 offensive team in 2021, 2022, you're not going to have a good time. You're never going to enjoy this. You're never going to enjoy the Rick Barnes experience. And when we had the Rick Barnes Bowl on Saturday against Texas, embrace the craziness embrace the mud that we're gonna find tennessee in with uh, beard versus barnes right well yeah I, I mean i think of it this way obviously so ken pomeroy did a study on this last year i think about how mm-hmm. there is a slightly better correlation of offensive success uh with championship winners and final four teams and there is defensive success it's not by this you know massive amount but on average better offensive teams make it more frequently than defensive but i'm kind of I'm at the point in sports fandom uh, and I know I have to sort of balance this sort of professional versus personal thing with Tennessee basketball where I am a fan, but I have to present it like I'm this, you know, moderately objective journalist person, I guess. I don't know. I only had a minor. I didn't major. I didn't learn that part. Well, you don't, Um, you get to keep the, I I majored, so I'm not allowed, even though I will, let me tell you, I'll never do a press box ever. Like I have no interest in that. They don't like it. It's not fun. It like the entire point of Neyland Stadium and TBA and Lindsey Nelson is enjoying the fan atmosphere. That's why I'm yeah. going is to be around other people who are just insane about the University of Tennessee or if I'm going to Atlanta Braves game, whatever. No, I don't I don't understand the point of it. That is not for me. Now, yeah, I'm on the podcast. Absolutely. Like there's one in the works right now. However, do I want to go sit in the press box? Do I want to pretend you can do both? Well, you can mm-hmm. look at Tennessee basketball objectively and also still be a fan. I, don't, I think we're past that in 2022. And the, well, the nice thing about being a fan is that you don't get the media Wi-Fi password. So <laughs> your LTE kind of sucks in the stands and mm-hmm. you can't get the tweets off, which helps for not firing off irrational takes. Mm-hmm. You got to look at all the positives here. But the, I mean, the real upshot of it is like, I'm kind of at the point in fandom where, so I mean, if people don't know, like I've mentioned before, my dad went to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Most of the sports teams I root for are for Michigan, except for hockey, I root for the Predators. So mm-hmm. uh, aside from a Pistons title, I barely remember that happened when I was age 10. Mm-hmm. I've never seen any team I root for win any title of importance. Like, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm at the point where it's becoming less important to me to see that and just like, 
more important to celebrate the little things that happen on a season to season basis. So is Tennessee basketball the most fun team to watch in the world? No. Are they still really good? Top 15 in pretty much every predictive metric and, you know, cranking teams into this weird, like wood chipper defense that, I mean, the way they treated LSU over the weekend was frankly disrespectful uh, in a wonderful way. Yes. I, I enjoyed every minute of it. I enjoyed Will Wade seeking God in the clouds of the Jumbotron. <laughs> um, I I would have happily watched a full 40 minutes of him doing just that. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- those moments are what stand out to me when I think back on teams later on. So that's why I wrote it. You know, people Will like Wade, it, man. I, know, but, just, yeah. I, I can't handle it. Like, I, I cannot <laughs> handle what he like it's so over the top i'm surprised he doesn't get more teas or he doesn't get ejected more often because it's yeah. preposterous you it's also well, kind it's of grading funny. on a curve True. it's the same so it's like yeah if you think about how crazy it is that if i recall correctly john beeline and will wade have been ejected the same number of times in their career once that's wild that's insane because those are huh. two opposite demeanor head coaches mm-hmm so I mean, hmm. it's it's obviously grading on a curve. They'll they'll let him get away with it for as long as possible until he cannot get away with it any longer. Burying LSU was so much fun on Saturday. Also, the Plabsitch stuff, like the amount of times I was just yelling about Plabs. I, you and I, I don't think either of us saw this coming, where we would just mm-hmm. be all in on Plabsitch. And I'm all in, man. I am all in on my on my guy. Like he is, <laughs> he is a force. I don't know if this works long term. Um, I know it doesn't work long term. Uh, Folky and Plavs together on the court—that is no, not some terrible lineup. Um, but yeah, like, well, let's just finish up with our Tennessee stuff here because yeah, they won. Well. We might as well. We're already here. Let's not go back to them. Let's just get through it. We're like the we're. <laughs> I think on this podcast, I've realized is I, I Tennessee is like my Boston Celtics for the Bill Simmons <laughs> podcast. Is like that's my thing. Where somehow I bring it back to Tennessee accidentally, but. They beat Florida this week. Um, that was a big win, uh, comeback win. Now you got Texas on the docket on Saturday. You beat the living crap out of LSU this past Saturday. And I would like to uh, mention that uh, this broadcast that you do like play-by-play guy, but I recall someone else on this broadcast mentioning more than once that LSU, man, they're, when they're healthy, nobody wants a piece of LSU. Do you know what's a piece of LSU? The Tennessee Volunteers. Gladly <laughs> play the Volunteers. Your definitely wanted a piece yes. of LSU. He absolutely wants more of LSU. So um, what did you make of those two games? And uh, how are you feeling about Texas on Saturday? I, I think obviously the LSU game was more fun start to finish because you get the hot start. It, it reminded me of an Arizona game where the opponent just doesn't have the hot streak that gets him back in it. Because, you know, mm-hmm. even when, and I'm, if I'm recalling correctly, LSU cut it to six uh, mm-hmm. with about six or seven minutes to go. Mm-hmm. But it still felt like it would have taken something crazy for them to win because, you mm-hmm. know, Tennessee was making them work on on offense incredibly hard. I thought start to finish, it was the best defensive game Tennessee's played all season. Like a, a really remarkable performance. Mm-hmm. I mean, if LSU missed a couple threes, it is what it is. They miss threes every game. They're not a good shooting team. Mm-hmm. But the fact that LSU, outside of that little blip late in the second half where they got a couple of backdoor cuts, could not get anything going down low consistently at all really impressed by that from Tennessee and you know Vescovy continues to impress I I think we've got at the point where it it seems to because I think a lot of this had kind of become the Chandler deal 
for a while, but it's getting to the point where we've got to talk about Vescovy as a very serious first team all SEC guy. And I mean, if you just looked at the conference stats, not like the whole season stats, the SEC play only, he's playing as well as to she as Sheboy is. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, and we all know that Sheboy is going to be a serious SEC player of the year candidate, mm-hmm. if not national. I mean, Vescovy is the reason why Tennessee won against Florida. I know Fulkerson had a good little performance, but it no, was Vescovy who kept making going. every open three imaginable. Like that guy would find he's just so good at finding the right spaces. Like that man just he knows where to be at the right time and it just it works. And the ball's whooping around for whatever reason, teams just miss him. It's amazing to me how open he is and how long it takes for guys to get to their closeout on Vescovy. Like he's just yeah. he's open way too much. He's open way too much. <laughs> well, and along with Vescovy, you know, I, I continue to, I think there are still a couple of things in this team that obviously need work. Like mm-hmm. you got to see the two Victor Bailey minutes across two games and you're reminded why we are now talking about two Victor Bailey minutes, not 20. Yeah. Um, you kind of see like Kennedy Chandler still makes some, what I would frankly call high school turnovers. Uh, you I'm more see... concerned about the defense with him. Like he's still a turnstile on that, on that front, but yeah, Mr. But Ziegler he... Yes. is an on-ball assassin. Now, that man is fun to watch on the ball. I went back and watched some of his defensive possessions. Goodness gracious. Ziegler yeah. is a monster. Well, he's on pace to be a top five most beloved uh, UT basketball player. Well, he's going to be here for like four time. years. This man yeah. is going to oh, yeah. be a UT guy for a long time. Mm-hmm. Which is awesome. Like mm-hmm. t- Tennessee's needed a four-year guy like that for a yes. while. And, and I mean, the good news of these two games, particularly with the Florida game, is that Tennessee still has the capacity to pop off just a random excellent three-point shooting night from time to time. Essentially, any college basketball team does. A lot of it is just variance, which I'll get to towards the tail end of this. But I think, you know, obviously them hitting all those threes helped immensely in a game against Florida that I'm sure they were a little surprised was as close as it was. Mm. But, you know, now that you're out of the, what I would, you know, frankly call the suck portion of your schedule where you're playing at LSU at Kentucky at Alabama mm-hmm. you're playing all these difficult freaking games I mean I tweeted it out yesterday of the top four or of the four SEC teams currently ranked in the AP top 25 Tennessee by far has the fewest remaining road games against quad one teams they have two hmm. all the others have four or more who so, are our I two? mean huh who are our two Arkansas and Mississippi State Okay. So, I mean, it's, and it's like, you look at that and it's not even it's not crazy to assume that those two were, you know, Tennessee is going to be favored in both. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think if for February, their goal really should just be to stay, you know, like 30 to 40% range in most of those non important games. Not enough to be the deciding factor either way, but Tennessee needs some of those like relatively average shooting performances just because they've had so many that are one way or the other so far. Mm hmm. And then, and, and then this yeah. this Saturday, because I know we'll get to it. This Texas game is really interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of narrative juice to it. Where obviously it's Rick's first time back at Texas since he got canned. Uh, it's kind of wild. It is wild, and and you know, reportedly the only reason he's doing this is for to see his grandchildren. But and he said as much in the post game show last night. But I think it's a little harsh. I think we we Sorry, all know. I'm not coming back until. We play. We put you on the schedule. We're not doing it. I, I can't yeah. go back. I, I'm under contract with the University of Tennessee not to return as your grandfather, unless yeah. I have a basketball game in Austin. Well, I, I think it's also just like 
he can say what he wants publicly, but you have mm. to think privately, even though I don't believe in Rick Barnes as being like this spiteful person mm-hmm. that he would really like to get this win Saturday. Yeah. This means a lot to him. And it's what's funny is we're walking to a situation I, to be frank, did not expect two, three months ago where uh, Texas needs this way more than Tennessee does. Mm. Uh, I would like for people to go look at Texas's schedule and tell me what their best win is. Because when I looked at it today, it looked like it was a road win at Kansas State, who is not an NCAA tournament team. Uh, it, does... Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, here's a great little stat for you, because I put it in the preview uh, before mm. this. Tennessee, as it stands right now, is the second best offense Texas has played. That's not good. Tennessee. Not, not yeah. like... What are we? 45th not, not anybody in? else. Tennessee. Yeah. Aren't we what? 45th in Kimpom? 48. 48. Okay. So, I mean, t- Texas has played four games against top 100 offenses so far. The only one mm. rated higher than Tennessee is Gonzaga. Man. Man. Which is wild. But I-, I think of this game like this a win is obviously very helpful for March purposes. Like, that's a type of win. If Texas holds and they're like a metrics top 20 team or whatever the rest of the way, that's the type of win that could be the deciding factor between you being a three seed or a four. Mm-hmm. And obviously I would much rather be in the bottom half of any bracket, but I would just like to win a March madness game. That'd be fine yes. as a treat. That would be nice. A, a loss doesn't really do any damage mm-hmm. uh, because I mean, it's a road game where you're going to be the three or four point underdog. Nobody's really making much of it, but it's also Tennessee's final chance as currently scheduled for a road slash neutral win against the top 25 metrics team, Tennessee's 0-4 in those games so far, which is not horrible because a lot of teams would be 0-4. I mean, Villanova, Texas Tech, Kentucky, and LSU, nobody's shocked that all four of those are losses. But you would like to get one true signature road win to point to on Selection Sunday and say, this is why we should be a three seed, or this is why we should be a two seed, even if things go well. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm excited. Either way, I think it's gonna be fun. Um, Tennessee, they just when I'm I think I'm out, they pull me back in. That is Tennessee <laughs> basketball, um, in a nutshell. Well, let's talk about the biggest upsets in the last week. What uh, what caught your eye, Mister Will? Uh, the only one that really stands out, frankly, is Maryland beating Illinois. That one. So most upsets in college basketball, you can kind of explain with like three point variance or just like. Mm-hmm. It's a weird night. Like, I mean, Georgia beat Alabama. That is really funny. That, <laughs> that is so that. funny. God, that's the best thing to happen all season. I ho- but, Well, not really, because I hate playing Alabama, and I hate <laughs> losing to Alabama in basketball, and I've hated uh, just the experience thus far um, with <laughs> their new administration with Mr. Oates versus Barnes. It has not gone our way more often than it's not. Fair. So it actually bothers me more that Tom Crean messed around and uh, beat them. And you know what it resulted in? A, a Tom Crean might actually be good piece in the AJC this week where it's like Ugh. he might be able to turn this thing around. And I was like, oh, no. What? That's unfortunate. Oh. oh, no. If only Andy Katz were here to help rehabilitate his image. Oh, anyway, back to uh, back to the game. Uh, Maryland beating Illinois it was truly out of left field because I had kind of left this Maryland team for dead, and I think pretty much everyone had. I mean, like mm-hmm. when the coach leaves, what was it, eight games in, eight <laughs> or nine games in, when an assistant's caught like soliciting a prostitute <laughs> like in the middle of conference play, you're just like, what is going on here? And it's not right. off. They were bad at basketball. Like Michigan pants them and, you know, we'll get to Michigan later, but Michigan's not been very good. 
But then yeah. beating Illinois by 20 was wild to me. That's that's a result that pops off immediately, especially when Illinois goes out and beats Michigan State without both Coburn and Curbelo the next week. So, I mean, I don't think Maryland's really – that could just be a dead cat bounce game where, you know, you have, this, you have enough talent to have one or two out-of-nowhere great performances in conference play. And then you go back to being like seven and 13 and the big 10 or whatever. But mm-hmm. I was impressed by that, honestly. I mean, good for them and good for the players that have stuck it out and hung around in the strangest of seasons for them. And there are a couple others, you know, obviously <laughs> Georgia beating Alabama. Um, How do you explain but, that one in 10 seconds? What happened? How did they beat Alabama? I think so. Alabama, honestly, is just not as potent from three as they were last year. I'll get to it at the end of this because I did a thing on three point variance today on my Twitter. But uh, they do not have the capacity to go off like they did a year ago. And it caught them in the butt against Georgia of all teams. Why couldn't it be us? Why could it not be us? Um, Give me your biggest January surprise, both positive and negative in the last week a uh, few of the good ones marquette has really shocked me uh and how much they've improved this month shaka seems to maybe it's just like texas is the bad place and Shaka's good everywhere else but he seems to have it rolling in, in year one in a way i didn't mm-hmm. see coming wake forest i mean if you if people haven't started watching them yet you got to start steve forbes has that thing humming and they're going to mm-hmm. be in the tournament which i'm really looking forward to uh, Murray State beat the crap out of Belmont, which I did not see coming. And I want to give a half positive surprise to the Michigan Wolverines. Oh, no. Because so you had this first half of the month where they sucked and they lost to Rutgers. But then basically, Rutgers isn't bad. I, I know Rutgers isn't bad, but it's just like when you when you lose on the road to them and you're it's never really within 10 points at all, that's like a bad sign. Yeah. But the fact that since then, you know. They went on the road to Illinois, didn't have Hunter Dickinson, and yet hung around until the finish, and then you know beat Indiana handily on Saturday. There, it seems like things are starting to turn around a little bit. Three straight mm-hmm. wins, and you're starting to see them pop back up in bracket conversations. Their game against Michigan State on Saturday is huge. I don't think they'll win, but the odds for them look way better than they did two weeks ago. Well, let's talk about Michigan State because I think they're, I mean, they're on my list with everything's Johnny Davis. Like everyone's all in on Johnny Davis. I swear I've read like 19 Johnny Davis pieces in the last month or so. Um, and Wisconsin's back with Davis and he's the, like he's the surprising hero figure for them. But Michigan State beat them and Michigan mm-hmm. State's just hanging around atop the, the Big Ten. And I don't think anyone saw this coming. And they're kind of just, I mean, this is a typical Tom Izzo thing where it's like they're just there, they're good, and they are just annoyingly good and competent. Where you're <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. They don't have a Johnny Davis. There's nothing fun. They don't have, they don't play a style that's all that appealing, but mm-hmm. they just grind these games out there. Are they Tennessee adjacent? What is happening here? Uh, I think it's just Izzo being Izzo, man. Yeah. Um, you know, State is a team I think of as, not great, but really good. They're, yes. They they make me... They're not going to really make you think of most of Izzo's Final Four teams, but if they're going to be one, it's going to be like the, the four or the seven seed Izzo teams that have snuck into the Final Four the yes. back door. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow do because it's Tom Izzo and it'll be March and then mm-hmm. April. Uh, I think of them as like, you know, maybe around the 16th to 23rd best team, like that 
where you're you don't think of them as a national title contender but you think of them as like hey if a couple things break right this is a, de- a team capable of making a deep run mm-hmm. um i don't know i wasn't shocked that they beat wisconsin on the road because i haven't really bought all the way into the wisconsin hype but i was shocked that they controlled the game start to finish okay. i didn't quite see that coming and you know them losing on the road to Illinois, Sands, uh, Carmelo, and Coburn is yeah. not the best follow-up. But I, I think this is just like, it's it's Izzo, it's Michigan State. It feels like they're constantly going to be on or in the periphery the rest of the way as like this four-seed-ish team that, you know, you, you don't want to pick them, but you're forced to pick them. And then it's the second weekend, and you're like, oh, this team's in the Elite Eight for the billionth time. <laughs> Hey, that's what Tom Izzo does. Um, Will, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back. All right, we are back here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am still joined by Mr. Stats by Will. Go check out statsbywill.com. If you have not already done so, go check out all of his great work there and give him a follow on twitter.com at twitter.com slash stats by Will, um, Chris Mack, we talked about a few weeks ago that it seemed like he might be he might be out at Louisville and he might be in some trouble. Well, he's out, and his, the re- the rationale was like, well, you've got to win games at Louisville, and that is not ultimately what happened with Mack. It's a high pressure job. The expectations are sky high, as they should be for Louisville. There's a couple jobs in college basketball where it's like, no, this is okay. Like you're, it's okay for Louisville to be extremely um strict on what they expect from uh, their college basketball program and hey the door is open it's time for it's time for mr patino to come back home to louisville (laughs) kentucky it's time he's been he's been away at iona for long enough uh will it's time to bring him home right well frankly i think louisville has two great choices here they are named uh, Bruce Pearl and Nate Oates. If they could hire them as co-head coaches, I would be thrilled with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how that works. I don't think. It Hold could on, can work, we pause but... here too? What's funny about college basketball and the difference with college basketball and college football? Can you imagine explaining or like making the same point for college football, where it's like Louisville has their pick between the Auburn head coach and the Alabama head coach, potentially? Yeah, <laughs> yeah like that's just such a different different world in college basketball. Yeah. Well, so with the Louisville thing, uh, I'm not really shocked that it's happened after the season, how the season has gone, but I would say I've been consistently surprised the last couple of years at, that this is how it's turned out for Chris Mack with Louisville. Uh, because on its face, when that hire happened, I, I think everybody agreed that was a really good hire. Mm-hmm. You know, he had done an amazing job at Xavier and building them up to be a, like a perennial NCAA tournament threat. I mean, his final year there, they were a one seed. Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of, strangely enough, pinpoint that Duke game against Zion and crew in 2018, 2019, uh, where they led by 23. That was the peak of the tenure right there before they blew the lead and before Duke came back to win. It seems like after that, everything has, whether, you know, slowly or all at once gone downhill, you know, heading into that game, Louisville was like a top 15 team and Ken Palm exceeded all reasonable expectations. They looked like a great program headed in the right direction. You fast forward, they lose in the first round that March. They stumble a bit through the next season where I thought they'd be a top five team. They just never really got back on track. And I, I don't, I'm going to be really interested to see if there's 
and there may already be because I haven't really looked into it, but if there's like a good um, post-mortem breakdown of how and why this went wrong, because again, on its face, this just seemed like a great hire. I thought it was a great personality fit. Um, It certainly seemed to me, at least last year when the two played, like he understood how important the Kentucky-Louisville rivalry was, which is like a prerequisite for that job, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And for Mac personally, I wonder what the next move is going to be. I I think it could be a good idea for him to wait a year because right now on the surface, uh, I don't see a likely to open high profile job that makes sense for the Ohio slash Kentucky background he has. Georgia, Athens, Georgia. It's time (laughs) for him to make his way further down south to Athens. God, that would be funny. That would actually be, I mean, that'd be a good hire, right? Oh, obviously, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's a, we, we want Tom Crean in the university of georgia forever yeah please <laughs> it's just it really is wild it's just it goes to show that we have no idea like who thought that ucla would now be a perennial top 10 program year over year when they hired cronin from cincinnati that was a widely panned hire like a weird yeah. culture fit he came over he wasn't a southern california guy at all um defense first mentality grit uh we're gonna make it difficult on everybody we're gonna just be the not the minor, just the the blue collar team that everyone notes is the UCLA Bruin way. Um, But it's worked and it's worked great. And I I don't know. It's, it's just funny that we just, we really don't know how, uh, how these could actually, we do know one kind of coaching hire that always work. We know now that Gonzaga, if you want to pull someone from Gonzaga, that's probably going to go pretty well. Like Tommy Lloyd's just immediately at number three, uh arizona wildcats in year one so that might be a good thing if you want to pull from a coaching tree just go ahead and go up there to spokane washington and pull from uh the mark few tree uh but yeah that's about it right yeah i mean there's no there's no sure thing in coaching you can mm-hmm. i mean there are swings for the fences that obviously work really well like cal at kentucky i think everybody would deem that a success even with you know just the one national title that's still a success yes um but you know like I mean, Mac, I thought was going to be awesome. Uh, I thought Steve Prom was going to work a lot better at Iowa State, for example, than he did. Uh, I wasn't terribly convinced by the Juwan Howard hire at Michigan. So, I mean, you can go on and on with ones where it's like at the time it didn't appear good or it did appear good. And then down the road, it's, you know, not worked out quite as well as, it ha- as you thought it would. Um but I mean, the Mac one, I, I keep harping on it, but it really is such a surprise because that guy just had not failed before. Yeah. And it, it along with it being like a big name hire, it seemed safe, like mm-hmm. a, a safe hire where it's like, OK, Louisville at minimum is going to be a yearly top 20 team. Mm-hmm. And they're just not. Yeah. And I'm curious to see like they, it, it's a top what, three, top four college basketball job. Like mm. it's. What would you, where would you put it? Like who's ahead top of 10. them? Top 10 top to 15. 10? I, I would be curious okay. to see their funding numbers. Like I yeah. would like to see what they're putting in for a basketball budget before making a firm stance one way or the other. But the, the path is very much there where it can be you, Duke, and probably still UNC at the top of the ACC year after year. Like maybe you don't win the ACC every year because I, I guess we'll see what happens in the post K era. But, you know, Louisville would have that potential to, if the right coach is there, you're going to be consistently a top 15, top 20 team every year. And, you know, the roster lines up, your recruiting lines up, you're a top five team. 
Don't tell like, me the KFC Yum Center is not pulling in the the revenue. Don't tell it, me it has been. It pulled in the look. It pulled in the revenue when I went to see Arcade Fire there eight years ago. Okay, that was, was that? Uh, it pulled in seventy one dollars out of my pocket. So it better be pulling in revenue. Have you been to a concert at TBA? Yes, Stevie right. Wonder. That was an interesting show. Okay, very very long, but good. Very long. What's long for you? Uh, it went three hours. And it was just him, no openers, which I loved it when it because mm-hmm. Stevie can carry a show on his own. But uh, most shows where it's just like one main act, I'm a little surprised when they go over two. Hmm. You know what my ideal length of a concert is in person? <laughs> Thirty minutes. <laughs> it's too much. Thirty minutes. I got things to do. It's zero minutes because I'm not a concert guy. Never been yeah. a big live music guy. Uh, well, that's never been my deal. I've never. <laughs> I don't know. I've never. Never been that kind of guy. And I think I'm going to one uh, next month for my uncle's band. Um, So we'll see. Um, But here's another we'll see that I don't think is going to work out. I I think this one might not work out well. You you might have an inkling as to where I'm going with this. But old NBA friend, Mr. Fred Hoiberg, Chicago's savior from years ago, um, is not going to work out in Lincoln, I don't think. I think this might not be a thing and it's it's kind of sad because i think at the time we were just like oh it's because hoiberg has this style maybe he recruits well because he has the nba pedigree and maybe he gets guys in that way um no i think nebraska just might be one of those basketball programs that you just you can't save like there's just nothing you can do for whatever reason and i feel bad because like i feel like this really damages his just the way he's seen, right? Doesn't it damage just how people view Hoiberg for it to go this bad? Like it's it's still relatively early, but they're one of the worst teams again in the Big Ten, and there's really just no real reason for optimism, right? Well, I mean, it's you know, you're I guess you could say you're two point five, yeah. and he has five Big Ten conference wins. Oof. Oof. Uh, so I think there's two sides to the coin here. You could say like. Never say never, you know, time's still on the clock, anything can happen. I mean, we've seen crazier in college basketball in terms of coaching turnarounds. And, you know, he like built a great program at Iowa State of all places. Not an easy place to build a great basketball program. But the other thing is like uh, when you looked at the when we looked at the rosters in preseason, this was sort of supposed to be like a proto proof of concept here in terms of finishing like 10th to 12th in the Big Ten, not dead last. But, you know, we're we're here in late January and we're talking about them as being, I'm pretty sure, the only Big Ten team without a conference win this year. I mean, they're on track by a mile for dead last. Ken Palm has them projected to finish with two Big Ten wins. Uh, no other Big Ten school is projected to finish with fewer than seven. So that is pretty bad. Um, and I have to say I'm a little surprised. I, I'm not shocked that this hasn't worked out because – Maybe the Hoiberg juice just was only it can just be a, a certain place at a certain time because it didn't work out for him in Chicago. But uh, I didn't think it would ever be this bad. Uh, last year's team seemed to be headed in a better direction than this, even though they went seven and 20. They just had some poor luck in close games. But this year's team is terrible. Uh, you know, it seems like every time I look up during, you know, Big Ten basketball nights, Nebraska's down by 20 to somebody. Yeah. Doesn't really, it doesn't really matter who it is. They're down by 20 to like Northwestern or Michigan or, you know, God forbid they have to play, you know, Purdue and Michigan State again. Um, 
I mean, their their incoming recruiting class is a couple of interesting pieces, but neither the type of day one star that makes Nebraska, you know, like mid-pack Big Ten even. I don't know what the path forward is, but I mean, there's a story earlier this month uh, that made the rounds in uh, Nebraska about Hoiberg got a, like a double secret contract extension in 2020 that pushed his buyout to $18.5 million. So I, I do not know. So that would have been 2020. So maybe it, you know, delete a few million off of that since. But even so, it seems to me that the buyout for him is probably 10 plus million dollars. And it, it's up to Nebraska if they think they have that money to buy out a basketball coach at a school that has never really cared that much about basketball. But I mean, and I don't know. It's not like people are going to keep showing up to watch a two and 18 big 10 team. No, they're not. Um, maybe not even Andy from workaholics is making that trip to, uh, to Lincoln no. to check on his Huskers. Poor uh, guy. But at least he's, he's killing been... it in righteous gemstones now. Righteous gemstones is one of the funniest television shows I've ever seen. Like yes. I, it's a Sunday delight. I'm glad that we both love this show. It's because yeah. we were meant to be friends. Well, we have the same. Taste <laughs> and stuff. I and, think may- maybe yeah. if the last recap was structured around uh, Tennessee basketball uh, being the 2011 Memphis Grizzlies, maybe the next one will be centered around the God Squad and Eric oh, Andre. Well, I hope they don't go away because the God Squad got put on ice by Mister Mister Jimson. Spoiler alert, <laughs> that ended with some some injuries. But I mean, just everything BJ related on that show this season is just yes. top notch. Like all Terrific. of it is top notch. It's a it's a ten out of ten show. Um Danny McBride and all those folks. And like you said, Eric Andre. It's it's so good. Eric Andre's um, hair in this season is a masterpiece. It, it's the all of the little details and gemstones that add up. It's like Eric Andre's hair is the go- one of the goofiest haircuts I've ever seen, but right. it's perfect for his character. It's amazing he's able to pull it off. Like I just, I wonder how many cuts they have to do on this show because I don't know how <laughs> they get away from this without laughing. Like every conversation uh, Kelvin has with what is the guy's name, Mister Six Six Six. I always forget his name. Um, what what is his name? The blonde former Satanist. Now uh, I can't think of it. But you know what I'm talking about, where they yeah. have these little whispers to each other, and I just I don't know how they don't they hold it together. I don't know how BJ holds it when BJ went rollerblading around yeah. uh the theme park uh following uh mr jimstone like just top-notch stuff and as he's describing all the moves he was hitting and then the fall oh it's just righteous gemstones folk folks hbo max go turn into that if you've not already it's, it's great stuff free plug not that they need it over there on hbo max but i'm a fan will's a fan it's great stuff great stuff yes. um but yeah i don't think they're gonna move on from hoiberg and like you said i just I think some jobs where it's like, I don't think they can do better. I think Georgia can do better than Tom Crean. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure Nebraska can do better than Hoiberg right now. Like I might as well just give him as long as humanly possible because if people are not coming in the gates anyway, and we don't think we can get somebody better, he's already expensive. Let's just hope for the best, man. Like let's just ride yeah. this out a little bit longer. Um, but I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of wild, but it's also just like, there's a lot that goes into succeeding at, at these jobs that we just we just don't know uh, we saw it in washington uh, we've seen it in just all kinds of places all around the country you, people we think are going to be okay and they're just they're just not um let's hit on andy kennedy though someone who i think this is the uab staple now we just need to go ahead and say the university of alabama birmingham is the place where you have the most underappreciated coach in the sport at all times 
So you have Andy Kennedy, who is actually pretty great on ESPN broadcast. So I'm yes, actually I, I sorely miss him on the broadcast. I'm yeah. so glad you brought that up. He was great. He also just like genuinely loved the product. And yeah. I just think we overlook that sometimes where it's like Andy Kennedy would have stories and he was just happy to be there and like really did enjoy what he was doing. And I don't know, Kennedy, I cannot like I don't want you to lose your job, sir, but I cannot wait until you're back in the booth because you're you're quite good in that role. Um, but he's doing great in Birmingham, like Bill Clark, who resurrected that UAB football program from the literal ashes. And now they're getting it. They have their new stadium complex, new field, all that kind of stuff. They're moving to um, not the Big 12. They're moving to the Sun Belt, I think. Um, but things are on the up and up. Bill Clark underappreciated everybody. He's just like he's one of the best college football coaches. Just uh, he's he's one of the best. And it's like Andy Kennedy. He's doing a great job at UAB. He's one, he's one of the best coaches in college basketball. Um, what do you make of the job that he is doing specifically this year, Will? He's killing it, man. I mean, they're top 40 in Ken Palm now, and it feels pretty deserved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure they regret losing to South Carolina quite a bit because that, not that that would have been like a resume staple, but that's a quadrant two win. And when you're, when you're a mid-major team, you need as many of those as you can get, those Q1 and Q2 opportunities. But I think them winning at North Texas and Louisiana Tech, that means more in the whole. They've got a good shot at finishing 15 and three or 16 and two in conference USA, that would be good enough for 25, 26 wins before the conference tournament. Uh, The, the case naturally extends to when you play in these smaller conferences and you don't know if you've got enough to get over the top for an at large bid, it makes winning the conference tournament that much more important, but say they don't, I think if the season ended today, it would have just enough to make them a first four team to get in over the hump and make it in. Uh, there's a lot left to play though they've mm-hmm. got a they can't lose you know quadrant three quadrant four opportunities and they've got to win big games when they have them and the biggest game of all and as far as i'm concerned the best non uh you know gonzaga san francisco etc mid-major game left on the books begging your listening audience to watch north texas uab on february 19th okay that is the best mid-major game remaining because if uab wins that I would I would not be shocked to see UAB start getting top twenty five votes soon. Okay. North North Texas is a legit, very very good team, hmm. and I think of those two, I, I really hope there's a way that we can get a two bid CUSA this year because I've enjoyed watching both of those teams quite a bit. Okay, I'm okay with that. I like it. I like it. Um, the last thing, and we'll wrap up here, Mister Will Warren. Stats that have caught your eye in the last week. So I did a thing on, um, I, I know that's like the journalist thing to say. Uh, I did a thing on um, three-point no, variance. Is like some personal news. Yeah, some personal news. I did a thing mm-hmm. on three-point variance day because uh, I got curious. I found a way to run the data because uh, I've had this theory for a while that, you know, every team's got some amount of built-in three-point percentage variance, but how much is it uh, mm-hmm. team to team? And like, you know, some sample sizes are larger than others due to COVID this year. Uh, but the team with the largest amount of variance uh, game to game uh, in terms of a standard deviation from the norm are the Michigan Wolverines. You okay. can expect so anything and this is within one standard deviation, anything from 19 to 54 percent is within reason for them on a given night. They are a chaotic watch. So five times this year. Five times this year, they've shot 20% or worse from three, and four times they've shot 47% or better. You genuinely have no idea what you're going to get with them night to night. They are a chaos team, and I bring this up because 
number three among the high major teams in terms of uh, highest upside in terms of three-point shooting, Michigan State. Mm. Those two teams play Saturday. You could either get a game where both teams shoot 50% or better from three. You could get a game where both teams shoot 25% or worse, or you could get one somewhere in between. It is going to be a very variance-heavy game, and I'm pretty excited to see that unfold. But that's on my Twitter. I put that out today. Uh, you know, teams you have to fear in any given night and teams you don't, uh, you'll look at this and you'll see, you can kind of understand why Alabama's had some of these losses. Alabama has these, I think, the third lowest amount of variance in their night-to-night three-point shooting. They are consistently right there at about 30 to 35% every single night. And you remember last March when they smoked Maryland because they shot, I think, 50% from three. They've only had one or two of those games all season. They have not had the same upside this year. So that's something to keep track of the rest of the way is how good are certain too many teams Isaiah on their Cannons. very best nights. Too many Isaiah Cannons on the roster. Yeah. Too many Gerald Greens. <laughs> too many. I'm running out of Houston Rockets from that peak Mori ball pre uh, Chris Paul era. I'm trying to think if I'm, who else I'm missing here. Um, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll think about it after. We're done he, he's he's after he's after Chris Paul, but Dan Dan Daniel Danwell House, whatever. It oh was, yes, is always my go-to of yes. like the the let's remember some rockets. Let's remember some rockets. Who because he was the guy that got kicked out of the bubble for uh, yes inviting somebody over or something. I don't remember. Uh, yes, that was uh that was an amazing time. An amazing time. Hot take: I miss the bubble. The playoff bubble was a blast. The because the, the basketball was great. Yes. Incredible it, games every single night. I I know. And I just, I don't want, like, it. it's so weird. I never thought I would miss it. But I really, like, if you compare last year's playoffs to this year, uh, this past year, rather, I think the bubble was a lot better. The bubble playoffs were great. Like, I mm-hmm. love the March Madness feel of it. I think that was part of it, where they had to, like, walk off into, and then they had to travel. It's just like March Madness when you lose. You know, you have to go home. And you have yeah. to just sadly go back to the team hotel and just be like, wow, I guess it's over. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I just, there was something about it that I, I just, I will always kind of miss. Um, Mr. Will, what can we check out from you at StatsByWill.com, Twitter, everything else? Always lots of Tennessee basketball-related content. Uh, preview of the Tennessee-Texas game will be up tomorrow, Friday, January 28th. Uh, recap next week. And then I am going to try here in the coming weeks to do a couple of charts and graph studies on various questions I've got about college basketball. One of which is the idea of does mid-range defense correlate year over year, or is it as random as three-point defenses? Hmm. That's something I've been thinking about a lot lately because in my head, I wouldn't be surprised if there is a lot of variance because a lot of mid-range shots are jumpers. And they go in at roughly the same rate as three-pointers do. So I want to see if there's something there. Okay. I like it. I like it. StatsByWell.com. Go subscribe. Go check it out. Bookmark it. That simple. Just hit that star button in your Google Chrome uh, browser. <laughs> it's that simple. It's that simple. And hey, if you forget from this podcast after you listen to it because you're out on a run because we encourage running on this podcast, it lengthens your life, folks. Get out there. It's hit the pavement. Cool. It's actually really, really great for you. And you feel better. Um, you end up feeling a lot better. But when you're doing that and you're listening to us talk about college basketball and you're like, man, I really want to go check out stepsoil.com. Here's the thing. We got someone on the ESPN broadcast who's going to be like, hey, 
Stats by Will. So on Saturday, when you're watching Tennessee, Texas, and you hear statsbywill.com pop up, and you're not just Will's mom, guess what? <laughs> guess what? You got the reminder. There you go. Statsbywill.com. So we, we've got you covered in a multitude of ways, Will. Yeah. Also, and tweet us if you run to this podcast. Great time to be running yeah. right now. There's no spiders on the trail. Huge, huge improvement from summer running, by the way. Absolutely. So and I, no spider webs. You got to swat out of your face. It's a great time to get out on the trail. And no, like just nasty sweating. Like there's just yeah. no nasty sweating, which nobody, nobody likes. Um, and I like the feeling of the, the cold running as we talked about. And I also learned that because I go on hikes, do a lot of weekend hikes with the sports renaissance woman. And did you know, Will, why Lyme disease is significantly uh, less common in the South than the Northeast where it's just, it's crazy how many cases there are in the Northeast. Do you know the answer to this? I do not, know. Okay, so uh, not a scientist, but based on my reading, because I was curious about this, I was reading uh, a New York Times piece, I think it was Ross Douthit, who had Lyme disease, I want to say, and wrote about his experience with it, and like the, it, we still just don't really have a clear idea on how to treat it. And like he ultimately, I, I just went and looked, because I was like, I, I'm kind of nervous, because I think uh, the sports renaissance women's had one, her dad's had multiple ones in Tennessee, but no, Lyme disease, um, which is good. Knock on wood. No Lyme disease in this house. Uh, but it's because in the Northeast, they're more likely to, you're going to walk through them, walk through mm. the ticks. So they get on you. In the South, they go towards the moisture and they hide underground. So they're under leaves. So basically, it's significantly more difficult to run into ticks that, like, unless they like hop up into your shoes. But in the Northeast, they're like coming at you. Like it's more like fate. Like there's just, more opportunities for them to get used. So there's just more of them out there. And in the South, they're just under leaves hiding and they don't really want contact with humans. Interesting. That is yeah. a big point in the South's favor. Yes. Big point in the South's favor. Um, I'm, yeah, there you go. Well, we're both kind <laughs> of Southern men. I don't know. You got your whole Michigan thing going. So I don't know. You got a strong Midwest vibe, I think. I, I got, I think of myself as a good Midwestern and Southern mix. You can't have both. Here. You got to pick a side. Well, I did. I made the I made the monster Indiana slash Iowa pork tenderloin sandwiches <laughs> this week at home. So if you don't know what those are, please Google them. Just mm-hmm. Google Indiana pork tenderloin sandwich and spend the next 10 minutes in Google image search and have a lot of fun doing it because they go. are very funny to look at. Awesome. Stats by Will. Go check it out. Like we said, Mr. Will Warren, thank you as always. I will talk to you next week. Yes. Thanks for having me on. All right, that'll do it for today's edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thank you again to Stats by Will, Mr. Will Warren, for coming on today's edition of the podcast. Uh, If you like listening to Will and I talk college basketball, guess what? New episode with Will and I every week on this very feed. So if you like listening to the two of us talk college basketball, make sure and leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Email us with any of your college basketball questions at chasedumbestpodcast at gmail.com. And if you uh, just listened via um, the the video app for this on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe uh, to the Chase Thomas Podcast on, uh, on YouTube. It helps in a major way as we kick that off here in 2022 with the video component of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Uh, make sure to follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas. Uh, like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas Ryder, sports renaissance man, that's me, sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. 
type in your newsletter that easy and uh yeah new episodes tomorrow check it out uncle derek nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah